1: Hey, so just before we start the show, I just want to say this is a second episode we're doing on money, and there are probably going to be lots more on money as well. And the reason is because the issues we have around money are usually what stops us from turning our passions into actual businesses, from being able to ask for money for the talents that we have. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to have an episode with Kristen Bowen, where she talks about her business being making money off of people who are who need to heal and who are sick and it was so hard for her but once she understood that she had to charge and she had to create a business model around it so she can keep providing this valuable product to her clients she was able to turn things around so i hope you enjoy this next money episode i am your host francisca and you are listening to the francisca show podcast on the jewish coffee house network Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, and if you're new, welcome to this podcast. We're so excited to have Amber Duggar on. Amber Duggar is CEO of Profit for Keeps. She is a financial guru when it comes to women and money and the emotions around all that. So without any further ado, welcome to the show, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. I want to like jump in and ask you all my deep, burning questions for you. But I heard you refer to money as Voldemort, like the thing that's there. (laughs) And you don't want to call the name because if you, God forbid, say it, then it's going to come and attack you and eat you. Let's start with that. Yeah. So actually, what's interesting is
2: it's not even money that's Voldemort. It's that the idea of looking into it, that budgeting or the the spending plan aspect of it, thinking of it as this like big, ugly thing that we don't really understand much about. And what's so interesting about money is that I think we put a lot of it, it is ninety nine percent emotional and behavioral. So while From a a money and energetic standpoint, because it is not technically a tangible thing, we can end up having all sorts of additional thoughts around that subject. And so it's, it's such a beautiful yet complicated entity and the relationship that we have with it is also you know there's this extra pressure that we aren't even meant to really talk about it as a society that is this is taboo subject and it's our mission to completely eradicate that and to say you know we we don't need to feel anxious we don't need to feel overwhelmed about this this is something that the financial industry has honestly failed us in that way and they want to keep us in the dark and it is actually a very simple thing to understand. It's just there's a lot of added complexity from a lot of ego, from a lot of um, people really not wanting us to understand more about it because they do, they do benefit from us not really understanding the subject. So I'm so honored to be here talking about it because those that are listening, I want to just thank you for being here and thank you for choosing to listen to the subject because you are in expanding your knowledge, you're expanding your awareness. And that in itself is the first step to truly having financial self-care and
1: broadening broadening your knowledge for this. So I love it. Financial self-care, it's like music to my ears. So you have a background in the financial industry, which is male-dominated. And talk to me about what you just said. It's set up for us to fail. I was
2: one of, I think two other women in my graduating class for I had I have a degree in business and finance and so it absolutely is male dominated and on top of that I would say that it is embedded with a lot of complexity because they can they can make it complicated before 1920 or really before 1900 money was very simple it was all physical you know if we had money we saw it in front of us if we didn't have money we didn't see it in front of us when we received it it was very easy to organize and and you know put aside a bit of, for the tax man that was literally going to come to your doorstep and ask for the money and now, a hundred years later, we have reverted to everything being online, everything being on statements, and so it is no longer a tangible thing that anyone could understand to now it translates almost into math or numbers because now our brain has to remember login to get into the into the account we have to remember kind of what's in the account. We have to try to keep track and organize all of these different things. And the financial industry for sure recognizes that if we don't know how much money we owe, and it's all psychology, then they can make this seem like the most smart decision to take on additional funding or take on an additional business loan or to take on an additional 0% interest credit card because they know that because we have very limited information on how to manage our finances after we have moved away from physical paper form money, They know that we need the extra cash because we don't have that clarity. And they also know that then they're going to be able to reap the benefit of us paying interest to them. So they are absolutely in no position to want us to understand money because of course their main profit
1: model will go away. Yeah, and I'll go even deeper. And this speaks so deeply because it's so invisible to just live on borrowed money. You're not the person who gets who asks or borrows money every time from, you know, somebody in the community before the 1900s, you're just a regular Doge who has a credit card. And then you're not even spending the money you have. So I definitely get that. And for women, even more so, so many women I meet, they're like, oh, I don't deal with the money. Like, like men can very derogatorily say, oh, I don't do diapers or I don't do kitchen or laundry. And here you have this, I don't do the money. And that's so unhealthy.
2: Yeah and and I think it you know it really depends on on the the couple the individual for sure. I think that there are definitely there's definitely that that situation happening and I think also there's a lot of pressure on the individual to even know about it. So if the the if one person in the partnership doesn't actually understand but they're expected to and then the other person doesn't understand yet is the one concerned or worried about it. A lot of times, partnerships are brought together where one person has a very different money relationship than the next, and so that can create this additional level of complexity. And that is the number one reason why we have a couples divorce. And so, you know, getting this clarity and choosing to say, you know what. It's possible for me to understand this, and I truly do believe that every single person who decides that they want to become empowered with understanding this, is, they absolutely can, and it is possible. And so if if you don't think you're a numbers person, or you think, well, this is going to stifle my creativity, or this is not going to allow me to feel free, Please ask yourself to just take a step back and say, just imagine if that isn't true. What if it's true that we can truly come in here and be empowered with this information and then inspire our partner, inspire our family to really look into this further and see that it's actually a freedom mechanism it allows us to really be clear on what our priorities are and allow us to be on the same page and that's where everything starts to blossom and expand is when you fully understand your family's priorities and then create a spending plan that allow all of those things to happen and you can see the possibility of truly putting into place okay this is what we visualize this is what
1: we desire and creating space for that to happen it's really magical. I just love how you speak and you present yourself. You're so calm and you're talking about concepts that normally ar- arouse anxiety in people. <laughs> so thank you for, for being the exemplary vessel to deliver this kind of information.
2: Oh, well, thank you. We really do pr- hope, and this is our hope, is that we are eradicating the un- financial anxiety and overwhelm. and that's the first step of that, of course, is being open to to understanding this process. And so we totally understand. I mean, we we have our own things that we tend to shy away from. And so I can totally understand from that perspective that you want to have a nice, a nice place to come and just say, okay, t- show me what to do. Tell me what to
1: do. Where do I start? And so thank you. We really appreciate that. Yeah. And we'll go into more what you do exactly and how you help People navigate their money. But before then, there is this concept of abundance and budget, and you bring in both. They seem like complete opposites. <laughs> Can you please bring sense to this? Sure. Well, you know,
2: I talk a lot about how, well, in the beginning, we really look at money and we have a relationship with money that really signifies security. And it's similar to self-care. You know, you want to make sure that your cup is full before you help others. You want to make sure that your financial house and foundation is in order before you, you know, you reach out to others. And it truly is something that can be very difficult, especially for heart-centered and very generous people to allow themselves to first look at their own finances and ensure that they're okay. So, the, the first step is really thinking of money as security. But the next and most exciting step is really stepping into what I call this expansive abundance, abundant form of money. And that's where it truly is viewed as a renewable resource. You know, I say a lot of times that time is more valuable than money. We, we don't have a renewable source of time. We don't know how much time we actually have. Uh, yet with money, we absolutely do have the ability to recreate, regenerate, and expand in that. And so, The thing that I really believe is that when we are very clear on what it is that really brings us joy, the things that we want to have in our life in both personal and business, and we make that clear that this is what we desire, we always have enough money. We always have enough money for the things that really matter to us. And so uh, having your revenue goal really driven by your dreams, I believe is the first step to truly running an abundant business because it's allowing you to be very clear what you want, but also feeling a lot of confidence in the prices that you're that you're charging in the model of the business that you're creating because you recognize that it truly will allow you to do these things. And the first step is recognizing that it's possible. And so that's where money shifts from being a security
1: thing to more of an abundant, expansive one. So this seems like a lot to process. And I'll we'll zoom in a little and go deeper. So for anyone who is not in a salary-based job and is an entrepreneur who has a business, they potentially do not know what their income or revenue is going to be in six months or over the next six months. So does budgeting look different for anyone who doesn't know what's coming in yet when they're starting out? or they're going through a transition versus somebody who's already established? I would say
2: that in some ways, the person that is still establishing themselves has more freedom than one that is established. And that's because when you have an established business, believe it or not, it still feel, it still can feel that way unless you have a very clear recurring model that allows you to See into the future that yes, we're doing all the right things, but businesses will always have variable income typically with any sort of service based online business. You just never know exactly what's going to happen. You just get more comfortable with that. You get more comfortable with recognizing that things always tend to fall into place and you tend to always be okay. And this is something that was difficult for me to learn as an entrepreneur because I actually have the Myers-Briggs profile of the least likely to go into business for themselves. So for me to take the leap from corporate, that was a huge, huge and scary step for me. And I had no idea what was gonna happen. And I was wondering like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? But the thing is, when we have a clear picture of where it is that we want to be, and this is where I really think that psychosybernetics if you haven't read that book, it's an incredible book to read around this concept of we all have this creative mechanism within us that allows us to really see what we desire. And then things start to come into place and opportunities come into place. And so for me, I would say that there's just more flexibility with someone who is still establishing themselves because they can actually create that model, create that that setup, what allows them to reach that very clear goal that they have for themselves. Whereas an established business may have to do a bit more tweaking or pivoting to make that happen.
1: Does that answer your question? I guess. And so what would it look like for somebody who's starting out and might be making investments in themselves, potentially a business coach or an office space or anything else that is very uncomfortable and they are relying on their business taking off? How does that work in within Your system? Am I asking the same question? But
2: I think what I'm hearing is you know, how can I possibly be in in integrity with putting in place a cash flow management system if I'm not yet hitting my revenue goal? And the thing is, one thing about business is I would say 99.9% of people do that. They just don't know exactly what they're doing when they do that. And so the difference is when you when you are able to go through a process where you can see that you are not yet hitting your revenue goal, it's not the fact that you'll instantly now always be cash flow positive. It's allowing you a clear roadmap and picture to get to a cash flow positive place. So I, for example, have invested where my net worth significantly went down. And then from that investment, it allowed me to really make that return. So it's really thinking about the investment from a return perspective, not from an initial. Oh my gosh, this is going on a credit card perspective, and I'm doing the exact opposite of what I'm hoping to be able to do. So it's really shifting into that millionaire mindset or that CEO mindset of recognizing that this is not simply buying, you know, a Steinway piano on a credit card, right? That which is beautiful and amazing and would be so incredible to have, but Instead, it's more. I'm putting this on a credit card because I recognize that this is going to save me precious time. This is going to allow me to follow a process that, um, you know, that someone has done before and is efficient and it's going to allow me to be in that cash flow positive place with this plan. So I think um, when you're looking at any investment, regardless of what it is, I think that's the number one thing to ask yourself. And truly, when you are charging prices, you are really a conduit of investment for your clients. So it's not the, the uh, you know, they're not paying you for your effort. They're not paying you for the amount of time you've worked on your program. They're paying you so that they themselves can say, this is a priority to me and I'm going to take this and I'm going to be very serious and there is no plan B with this. And so that's more along the lines with what you want to ask yourself when you're looking at an investment is, is this going to get me to take action? Is this investment big enough where I feel like I better do the work and make this happen? And, And that's really more so. So it's not like you're immediately... Never going to put another thing on a credit card. It's just that now you have a very clear picture of where that money is going, how much you need to be
1: making, and working towards a cash flow positive business. Yes, and this is a perfect segue to talk about profit for keeps. Your program.
2: Our program is called Profit for Keeps, and and it has components of profit first in it. And uh, what we have found is that with service based online entrepreneur type businesses. Um, When I was starting out, I was a health coach and I was living in Bali and I was thinking to myself, okay, how am I going to continue to increase my revenue? Because when I left corporate, I definitely wasn't hitting my revenue goal, but I had savings and I had clients. And I knew that if I continued to build my clients and I I had this system in place that would show me where I stood financially, exactly how much savings I had, how much money I had coming in. But the thing that was missing was I wasn't really sure exactly how to do that from a business perspective because my experience has always been in multi-million and even billion dollar contracts in in government contracting and nonprofit world and it was just such a different level of finance than what do I do with this $800 that someone just paid me? <laughs> I know I need to put aside some money for taxes. And so I did some more research and that's when I came across the self-published edition of Profit First at the time by Mike Michalowicz. And I just read the first couple of chapters and I knew right away that this was the method that I wanted to use, but I was obviously going to do it quite differently than the way the book is written. And that is we need to know how much we need to make to cover our basic expenses and personal, our business investments still have enough money for taxes and be intentionally profitable. And so instead of doing the, the version in the book, we looked at it from that perspective to reverse engineer based on my living expenses. I was in Bali, but I was also maintaining all of my expenses outside of DC in my condo. And so I had specific expenses I needed to cover. And my business coach who was telling me, oh, you just need to make a 5K month. I knew that wasn't going to cover what I needed to, I needed an 8K month minimum. And so it started there. And so our program is a a holistic program that really addresses both the personal and the business components of cash flow in a forward thinking approach and also from an abundant mindset. So seeing what's possible, what is it that we desire out of life? Let's write all those things down. What are the things that the business is going to need to make sure that we can generate that type of revenue? What kind of investments do we need to be making? And then reverse engineer that to a revenue goal that makes sense and percentages that make sense for us to be able to say every time we receive money in. Think hundred years ago, and we received money, you know, in person. If we had thousand dollars in our desk. What are we doing with that thousand? We're putting aside a certain amount for profit. We're putting aside a certain amount for what we're going to pay ourselves, a certain amount for taxes. And then the remaining portion is for business expenses. And when we're clear on that top number and also clear on how we're organizing it, we can then be very clear on strategy going forward of what do we need to do to make sure that we still are maintaining that revenue goal how much money we have for the different expenses. And so our program teaches all of that. But what it really lends to is when you have a full system in place, you then, I see this as a gateway of awareness for what truly is blocking us from increasing our set wealth point. So you have the system where you have a personal spending plan, a business spending plan, a really clear picture of where you're taking your business financially. But during that, it's typically when you see, hmm this is really interesting. I'm finding I have a lot of resistance to increasing my prices. Why is that? And that may be stemming from an experience you had as a child at five years of age. And that's typically where most of our money paradigms come from is our first memories for money. So it's a really beautiful, all-encompassing journey of first having very practical systems set up so that you can be very clear and no longer feel like you don't understand money. You can finally say, I am so empowered. I can totally do this. This is Actually, quite simple. This is not bookkeeping. This is not accounting. This is forward-looking, practical numbers. And then the second component is really starting to heal your relationship with money and working through some of the resistance that may
1: present itself through that process. And what's the ideal financial situation of a person entering your program?
2: Well, it's a it's someone who is very determined that. They want a viable online business or they have a viable online business. It is not for someone who is, you know, mm, I'm making like a hundred dollars a week and I don't really care about making any more. It's not really for that type of person, but it's for someone who is looking to really create their own life and that's seeking some type of freedom, time, freedom, uh, autonomy in their own work. Um, location freedom, those types of things. And they are, they have definitely invested in themselves and they're ready to really take the next step of creating that financial foundation for their business. I love that. And we are
1: a business focused podcast. So, as an entrepreneur yourself, what challenge you had to deal with starting out? And I know you've mentioned a little bit about your transitions and your history. So it can be something in terms of starting out, either having that – the issue a lot of entrepreneurs have when they're starting out with new offers that they just whipped out based on their experiences and then working that credibility – Angle when they still don't have all that many clients they've worked with, but you have all that knowledge and you're just starting out. Yeah, so I would say that I started out
2: twice because I started as a health coach and then I pivoted into what I do now. And so both times I was very determined to learn as much as possible about who it was that I was serving. So when I first was doing health coaching, I was going through a health coaching school and they told us that we needed to do a minimum of I think six health histories. But I had heard on a podcast that this girl who was now full-time doing health coaching, that she had done over 50. And I said, well, I'm going to do 50 then. (laughs) So we did 50 health histories. And while I did that, that allowed me to really start to understand more about how to do a sales call, how to do a discovery call, but it also it was something that i wasn't expecting i was able to learn a lot about a lot of the people that i was going through this this program with and their own struggles as well and i think what i struggled with most was determining how to articulate what it is that I did, what it is that I do in in a way that would make sense to the person and see themselves actually going through that same process. And I would say if I look back, that's the single most important thing that you want to focus on when when you're starting out is what is the result or experience that you desire for your client? Are you really clear on what they are actually looking for? Because it may be different than the result that you know that they need. And are you able to really uh, articulate and reverse engineer your program to describe to them what they can expect to do and have them truly see it as simple enough and simply laid out where they can see themselves doing it? And when I ask people, you know, what is it that you want to have as a result or experience of that program? They're so they're, they're thinking so much along the lines of we have eight modules and we have this many worksheets and we have this many calls. And no one cares about any of that. What they really care about is they no longer want to feel that pain. They no longer want to struggle with the thing that you help them with. And so that is what they're paying for. They aren't paying for the amount of modules or the worksheets or they're paying for that relief. And the thing that I think I struggled with most was wrapping my brain around the fact that it's okay to charge for something that comes very easily to me and that we all actually um, are meant to be doing that because when we're at a point of flow and we are really good at it it is that what we do, of course, we're not going to value the solution because it naturally comes to us. But you want to just think about something that the, you know, that you do struggle with and what you would pay to have that go away. And then think about your client and put yourself in those shoes and allow yourself to truly be that conduit and investment for your, for your clients and allow them to step into
1: that commitment and that making that a priority. And then you have a win-win all around. All encompassing. So I'll position this question in a different angle. If you had to start your business again in 2021 with the same experience you have now, what would you do differently?
2: That's a hard question because I believe that everything happens for us. So I think I would not be so incredibly hard on myself. I've was. I i I've struggled with that my whole life. I've been very hard on myself internally. And I think in the beginning... I was really dead set on on just, I think, beating myself up a lot about, oh, I should have known that or, oh, I should have done this. And I was really stuck on doing things the right way the first time when in reality, the only way that you truly get clarity is through action. And so shifting into the everything is a fun experiment. If I could do it over, that's the mindset I would have is that this is just a fun experiment and we're going to learn from this.
1: There are no failures. There's just lessons. And that that's probably what I would do differently. I identify with that. Um, this new segment, this new season on this podcast is a whole new thing for me and my questions do not roll off the tongue the way they used to when I interviewed artists and musicians. So I'm just embracing this new space and talking to entrepreneurs because it's it's this new space for me. So where can people find out more about you? And well, um, I am always h- happy to connect with um, anyone on Instagram.
2: It's Amber. We also have an incredible community inside Facebook called Sweet Life Purposeful Money. And we're um, just recently uh, on Clubhouse. So if you happen to be on Clubhouse, you can find me at Amber Duggar there. And... Um, I'd be happy to invite anyone to our next workshop or challenge. It's, um, you would go to amberdugger.com slash challenge. And it's a really great way to get clear on your personal finances, your business finances, your revenue goal, and also opening up to more awareness around
1: wealth consciousness. And it's a really, a really awesome experience. Yeah, it's the fill your cup first and the whole, the financial (laughs) self-care. It's like spawn money. Wow. Heck yes. Oh, I like that copy. Thanks. <laughs> We're going to use that. You're welcome. Thank you, Amber, so much for coming on to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was an honor to be here. Thanks so much for listening until the end. I hope you stick around for some announcements and some FAQ questions, frequently asked questions. Okay. So, number one, we will be by we, I mean myself and Jewish Coffee House the staff on intimate Judaism. We're going to be co-hosting a panel called birth control and Judaism. So I'm really excited about it. We have some amazing questions. If you have a question you'd like to submit for this panel, please do reach out. It's going to be a live event and posted onto the podcast as well. After the fact, please go to the show notes and register for the zoom event. If you'd like to watch it live. Next, my sixth album finally is available on iTunes as of today. This took me four years in production. Most of the songs are self produced by yours truly, Francisca. And I would love for you to go check it out. The links will be in the show notes. And I want to go over some of the frequently asked questions that come up to me about podcasting and about my services. So here we go. Why would I want to start a podcast? four reasons. Number one, you would be meeting your ideal client where they are at. Number two, podcasting is the perfect platform for which to educate and spread your message. Three, it's a great platform for people who don't connect through social media. And four, audio content is the future. Why would not I just launch my podcast myself? Quick answer, save time. Long answer, because it would take you forever. It took me a few months, and I wasted hours of YouTube rabbit hole video watching on which is the best microphone and hosting platform. Launching your podcast with me takes just one day. Get your studio plugged in, trailer recorded, artwork designed, music selected, and submitted to iTunes and all the other hosting platforms. Why wouldn't I produce my podcast myself? Great question. Well, because it takes so much time every week and many podcasters can't handle the weekly time commitment, so they end up quitting. Starting a podcast and then dropping it is worse than not launching at all. Can't my VA do this? For anyone listening who doesn't know what a VA is, it's a virtual assistant. Oh, yes, sure. Your VA can definitely do this. And I actually train your VA in all the ins and outs for a seamless process. What do I need in place to be ready to launch a podcast? We got you. A, a topic you are an expert at or want to be an expert in. B, be passionate about the topic. And C, commitment to the process. Why should I launch my podcast even though it doesn't directly bring sales? Actually, it can directly bring in sales because you are warming your leads and educating them about everything they need to know to want to hire you. You also have the ideal platform to build the know, like, and trust factor. You are not fighting for your audience's attention like you do on Instagram or Facebook, but you are talking into their ears for 20 to 60 minutes at a time during their most intimate moments of their day. How do I monetize a podcast? Ooh, the money question. I'll knock it down into three categories. Number one, sponsorships. Two, affiliates. And three, Host created offers. My favorite, by the way, because after building so much trust and investing so much energy, time, and love into your audience, like I do for you, you get to directly benefit from your labor and keep supporting your audience, plus you don't need a large audience to start making a profit. What are the costs involved? So the investment, number one, a one-time tech setup investment, like your microphone, Two, music for your intro and outro. I hope you've been enjoying the new music out here. Three, your hosting platform. That's a monthly subscription. And four, me, the success podcast coach who will set you up for success. What kind of support does Francisco offer? You have options. Number one is launch VIP day. If you follow me on Facebook and Instagram, you probably see me talking about the VIP day a lot. Basically includes a customized shopping list for your studio setup, elimination of decision fatigue, and a seamless launch process, just in one day. The second way, production services. You hit record, we do the rest. The white glove podcasting production experience you've been waiting for is here. And three, one-on-one coaching with me, where you get to A, learn to monetize and create your own offers, B, grow your audience, C, improve your interviewing skills, D, content creation, and E, learn how to attract household name guests. What industries have you helped produce podcasts for? And this is where you listen closely because I've worked with coaches, entrepreneurs, schools, rabbis, and leaders. So start thinking out of the box. How do I stand out in a saturated podcast market? Is this even a good idea? So, the actual question probably is Do you feel worthy? Do you have a message worth sharing? The answer is that no one is exactly like you. Even though there are so many podcasts that may be covering the same topics, no one can do it your style with your expertise and experiences. Some people will only connect with your story. So, if you believe your ideas are worth spreading, And it's up to you to feel worthy enough to take up space in the podcast world. And if you have any questions for me that I can address in addition to this, please make sure to reach out to me. So I hope you enjoyed this little tour over my fresh frequently asked questions that I just created and popped onto my website. Friend, thank you so much for listening until the end. And if you enjoyed, please tell a friend, leave a review. And make sure to subscribe so you get a notification the next time an episode is out. Have you been thinking of launching a podcast? Great! Let me help and produce your show. And take the headache away. Just click on the link in the show notes. And make sure to tune in next time. See ya!
0: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around.